Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 58 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician, Fozza Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder this episode is... Crash! Welcome, Crash! Greetings, Commanders! And joining Crash, we also have Grant Psycho Cow Wilcott. Hello! Hello! And occupying the final chair in this ever-so-cramped orange sidewinder, we have a new member of the team. For those people that haven't been listening to Take to Slade, our new member of the team is John, because obviously we don't have enough Johns in the orange sidewinder. So, John, say who you are and what your background is, sir. I am John the Clone, obviously. <laughs> Seems to be quite a few of them around. Uh, basically, I run the Starfleet Comms website, and uh, I've run a podcast there for a, a number of years. Um, and I've been helpfully guided onto this podcast and sort of squeezed into a position to, to sort of uh, join in. So here I am. Now, you say Starfleet Comms, but obviously mm. you're... Uh, your your background goes a little bit further the further back than uh, the Starfleet comms, doesn't it? Well, it, basically, there's um, there's 14 years there because uh, we used to be members of the Starfleet comms, uh, the Starfleet command community, and that used to be where there was, there was a forum and um, lots of people undergoing lots of strategic planning and stuff like this, and that that used to be the centre of 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 the um, the gaming community for that particular game and of course we did the podcast as well that was for eve online we did that for a number of years and uh and of course we're doing a podcast in the more general terms for sci-fi games specifically artemis spaceship bridge simulator and um of course elite dangerous excellent well obviously we'll have a few a few people that may have played eve online so what was the eve online podcast that you did it was it was starfleet comms yeah, ah, uh, right. that, that was the name, yeah. So um, it's, we've kept the same name just to confuse everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you're a new member of the uh, the Lave Radio team, and you know, in true Lave Radio style, it means you have to have a job on station. So, Grant, your job, as you know, is obviously Chief Bar Steward. Uh, John Crash is our Chief uh, Test Pilot. And right. because of your history, John, in terms of your exploration within the game, we thought we might as well give you head of stellar cartography on Lave Station. Oh, that's brilliant. I like that. So that's good. I'll accept yeah. that with honours. <laughs> yeah, see, we always like to give people you know, jobs that they are suitably qualified for, apart okay. from, obviously, second technician who isn't really <laughs> qualified for anything much. Um, okay, well, let's get the podcast started. Let's go around and find out exactly what people have been up to in-game and out-of-game this week, starting with the barman himself, Mr. Wilcott. Hello! Well, I have been, uh, well, frankly... <laughs> it's hard to think of anything I've been doing apart from Grand Theft Auto because I'm a little bit Grand Theft Autoed out just all that <laughs> chaos and mayhem since last night but I've been working on some software editing dockers getting ready for our final episode of the season and it's um, it's one of these things I remember when we did the read through and I thought is this our last episode ever because it kind of <laughs> it kind of feels like we're going all out and you know saying that for our scripts is saying that possibly this might not be suitable for release. <laughs> so what do you do? Do you have a, a, a true cliffhanger? Is there a, is there a bomb on Barnard Star Station? Is it, is it all going to go up in a big explosion at the end of the cast? Well, let's just say it definitely ends on a bang. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go with uh, Crash. What have you been up to, sir? 
Oh, I've been very, very busy. For anyone who's been uh, keeping up with the live streams, I they should know that I've been heading towards the center of the galaxy. Stupid, I know, I know, crazy idea. But yeah, I'm I'm about a thousand light years away from Sagittarius A now. I'm still going strong. It, it's I didn't even contemplate how long it would take, but uh, I'm <laughs> determined to get there now. Damn it! <laughs> and is the uh, is the the center of the galaxy? Is it denser on the inside? It, it's crazy, yeah. I mean, when, when you go in the body of the star that you're in and then you get there, it's, it would normally be black. It's almost kind of beige, peach color. The, the sky, it's really surreal, very strange. Um, I had a quick tour around uh, the Great Annihilator as well, which some people will know is the, I think it's the second biggest uh, supermassive black hole in the Milky Way galaxy. And it, I, that was crazy. I, a screenshot didn't do it justice, so I had to put a quick video up on there uh, on YouTube. It, it's just awesome to behold. Sorry, so to say that name again? The Great Annihilator. You know, I, I could have sworn that was Grant's porn name. I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go from one explorer to another. John, what have you been up to, sir? Well, I've been up to a similar thing, actually. I started a journey to um, Sagittarius A uh, some some weeks ago, uh, in all fairness. So I think, uh, in fact, I'm looking up the exact date now. March 17th is when I started. And um, I'm doing it the long way around. So I'm going along the Orion Arm um, towards the centre. And I've made it so far, uh, not very far at all. I'm at the Vale Nebula uh, at the moment, which is, I don't know, about 1,500 light years from <laughs> Thal. <laughs> so, I mean, that still sounds like a decent journey. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I found it really good to, to actually take the scenic route and just take my time. So the only thing that stresses me out a little bit is that I'm on your 6% uh, hull, if, if you like, or the integrity is about 96%. And that's just due to stupidity more than anything else. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and uh, what sort of um, distribution of stations is there at that sort of uh, distance out? Uh, well, the suns are... are it, it's it's fairly good. I mean, the reason I chose to go up the arm was because there are no, obviously less gaps. Yeah. So, um, so I've not had any real problems yet. I've not come across any um, non-sequence stars such as uh, neutron stars and things like that. So I've been quite lucky so far. So <laughs> been good. Okay, well, we shall monitor your progress with interest. Um, for those people that are wondering where I've been uh, that may have missed the news uh, seven weeks, eight, eight weeks ago, uh, I had a little girl called Sienna, and so I've been off the show uh, on an evening looking after her, and she's now settled down slightly and been a little bit more... Um, <laughs> a little bit more compliant in terms of going to sleep, so uh, I should be back for the foreseeable future, which is great. As for playing Elite Dangerous, uh, I have still been playing Elite Dangerous. Um, I have been hanging around trying to get into my Python, which I've finally done. Uh, it's a trading Python, uh, so I haven't actually kit out with guns yet, but... Warning, warning, broadcast tower damaged. Wave radio signal lost. Attempting to redirect signal. You are listening to Radio Sidewinder. You are establishing broadcast. Second technician fires start to communications tower. The vending machine is broken. Buzzer! 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 Do the thing! Do the thing! <laughs> and I think 
Uh, that should mean that we are back. Apologies for anybody that's listening to the live stream. We had a little bit of problem. The code, in case anybody hasn't realised, have been hanging around outside Lave Station for the last week or so. And someone has just actually just taken a pot shot at our comms relay tower. So it's OK. I've been out with my wrench. It's all fixed. And we're back and we are raring to go. So what were we talking about? We were talking about what I was up to. Well, let's forget about what I was up to and let's just crack on with the show. I was going to say, if you wish to join us live... We're hanging outside of Life Station again. I think Colin Ford is out there with the orange sidewinder. So if you want to just join the open group, if you hit the right instance, you should see Colin, hopefully. A few of you have been asking about the Fozzer group. Uh, at the moment, I've actually closed the Fozzer group due to the fact that it should be an open group. Everybody can actually enter without having me to actually approve it. But for whatever reason, even though everything's set up correctly, I'm still having to approve them. So we've currently got around about 200 people waiting in a queue to be approved. So I've just left that with Frontier to fix. And in the meantime, we're just going to hang outside Lay Station in the open group, which is a bit of a pain because it means obviously some people might miss out on the instances. But just for the time being, Frontier are going to look into that. If you can't get in there, you'll get to our Slack channel. If you go to laveradio.com and click on the live stream, you should just be able to click on the QuakeNet link there as well. And uh, there's a few of us hanging out. Or if you want, you can be old-fashioned. You can tweet us at laveradio with any questions you want us to try and answer. And towards the end of the show, we will read some of them out and give you our thoughts. Let's crack on now with an advert. And then after the advert, we'll be back to talk about the latest development news. Pilot. Are you feeling isolated? Alone, with only the cold rays of a dying neutron star to keep you company. Then you need to lock your coordinates onto the EDC. At the EDC network, you'll meet thousands of like-minded spacers. You'll get the latest trading news, entertainment news, current affairs and blatant gossip. Are you looking for a new career avenue? A wingman? A friend to share those lonely hours sat shooting beryllium out of asteroids. We have just the people you need to talk to. So power that frameshift into overdrive and log onto the EDC today. Subscription to the Elite Dangerous community on Spacebook is free for the initial month and will then be billed at 50,000 credits per year on a tri-monthly basis. Zero cancellation policy is in place and will be vigorously enforced. Okay, so development news this week. We've got the Mac beta updates. We've got the audio design showcase. The let's have up from Brooks himself. We've got the latest patch and obviously the latest newsletter. So let's crack on with the, the beta updates. And I'm hoping, seeing as the only person on the actual call that has a Mac is Grant, that Grant, you've played this and you've had a quick look at it. I have not been able to get it onto the Mac yet. Not through want of trying, but it's just been a particularly tricky week for me to actually get the time to sit down and, and get it set up. Um, that's not to do with GTA because GTA only really affected say, the last late, 12 hours a <laughs> GTA that stopped that <laughs> but no I've not had a chance I want to sort of get a good sort of time to sit down at it but we've actually been spending the time getting all my wife's uh, files and things ready to transfer from this Mac and then I'm allowed to play with it but not before Okay, well, hopefully, actually, um, we've just been talking to some of the other crew, and Ben Moss Woodward, his brother-in-law, has been playing it, and we might actually be able to drag him onto the show and tell us what it's been like. We'll try and do that uh, whilst we go through the latest dev news, which was posted by one of the uh, the devs, sort of showcasing the, the work that actually goes in by Jim Croft and his team into the, the soundscape and the sound design of Elite Dangerous. Uh, what did you guys think of this? Obviously, with the soundscape has been one of the highlights, the, the crowning jewels of Elite Dangerous all the way through the development. 
but it was quite interesting to see it sort of put in a format where you could actually see what goes on and the amount of stuff that you miss I think is quite staggering but what did you think of the audio design showcase it's basically it's a video where they've they've looped round they're outside of an outpost and all they're doing is they're basically rotating the ship round 360 degrees and they've raised the background level of the sound in the simulation so the stuff that's there just all the time, but they've raised it up a few lower decibels so you can actually make out the stuff that comes in and when it comes in. So during the video, as it's rotating 360 degrees, uh, you'll hear sort of silence, you'll hear engine noise. And then as you come towards the outpost, you'll start hearing some crack and static from the outpost, some sort of radio signals just quietly in the background to let you know that uh, it's there. And then also, same thing, as you come round again... Yeah, and you lose the outpost, that all disappears. Uh, when you hear ships, it also focuses in on the different ships as they come past you and all different engine noise and talks about how you know distance from ship makes a difference, the type of ship it is makes a difference, the sort of sounds that you hear. And also planets as well, focusing on the planets and also some of the, sort of the background noises that are caused by planets. And all these things are sort of wonderfully blended into the background of the simulation that normally you just don't even... I feel bad saying this, but when I interviewed Jim at the launch, yeah, he was he was passionate about the fact that you shouldn't really pick out the the sound that they've created. It should all be completely immersive, and it is. But I feel bad by saying that in the game, you miss so much of the stuff that's actually in the soundscape. And if you go and check out this video, um, you'll see you know, just the level of detail that they go into sort of putting in all the background sounds of the game and into the simulation. Crash. i just trying to watch this in between you talking about it. I am totally geeking out now whilst I'm watching the commentary on it. That is awesome. I, it's funny now listening to that video and seeing some of the stuff they've done in it, I realise that some of that's there, that I know I've experienced that. I mean, like I said earlier on when I went past the Great Annihilator, there was subtle audio cues I didn't even realise I was hearing, but it just it was kind of setting the tone as I was getting closer to the black hole and you know swinging past it, sort of thing. It was just things changing. I didn't realise it was, but now listening to this video, I realised what was going on. It was it was completely immersive and it was almost subconscious. I was picking up on these cues. It's awesome. Yeah, it really does highlight the sort of the level that they go into. Mr. Richardson, John. Hello. Yes, uh, I've just been listening a little bit to this as well, and I find it—that's it... what I love about you guys. We've had show notes <laughs> up for days, and you know, your your level of preparation for your first show is just. Well, to superb. be fair, there was somebody else doing that one. It's got somebody else's name. <laughs> but but uh, on saying all of that, whilst I've been out exploring, I have noted you do get a lot of time to reflect <laughs> whilst you're exploring and, and you do tend to listen to stuff quite intently really without realizing it and some of the noises that you do hear are quite amazing i've got to say so you, you you've got your normal jumping into which space and then you've got your normal sort of zooming around in super cruise but then when you go and pass some of the astrological bodies you get different sounds for those the scanner when that runs that has got some incredible detail in there at first you just think it's that scratchy noise you know but it's got some really good detail in there as well and i'm not surprised that they've had to shove things up a couple of decibels on this just to show things off because it is that detailed it's really good no i was gonna say it's absolutely superb the level of detail that they put into the sound um okay Let's move on to, I think, probably one of the most exciting bits of tidbit news that we had this week. Uh, and that is from the, the latest dev update by Mr. Brooks himself. The, uh, uh, they're eking this stuff out, aren't they? They've got the main 
uh, reveal that they're not going to do yet for another couple of weeks to let us know exactly what yeah. power play is all about. But they keep on just sort of dropping out little things, which, yeah, you know, we say little things, but actually in itself are going to make a massive difference to the game. So let's go through, let's see some of the things that we've, uh, we've been told about. So the main one, mission revamp for power play. So there's going to be more missions for experienced players. Uh, this can affect obviously both ranks and people who bought sort of think bought into the founders system. Um, we found out that the insurance scales for experienced players, so adds uh, a bit of a, a better safety net for those people that have got the big ships who've been playing for a while. Um, more fuel tanks, which might be one that interests the explorers out there. So obviously you'll have to sacrifice another module, but it will allow you now to add a second fuel tank. So those gaps in order to get down to Sagittarius A might be a little bit easier to manage. Hmm. Um, I was going to say let's let's go to the let's go to the explorers. You guys, would it be useful to have a second fuel tank on board? Uh, I saw some debate on that actually, and it, it, initially it sounds like a great idea, but there are some people actually questioning the, the value of that. I think that's when you're further out. With the, the massive gaps, that's when you're going to get the increased... Well, you're going to have to have the increased range in your FSD, aren't you? Not just have the fuel tank. So there's, that's a consideration, I think. I don't know. What do you guys think? Crash? Yeah, it's an interesting balance. I think they're going to have to bring in some way of managing how much fuel you maintain because, obviously, you drop the amount of fuel you've got on and you increase your jump range. But the fuel tanks really are kind of the... Uh, a limit on the number of jumps you can make before refueling. So it would be useful to be able to make more jumps in those regions of those cursed frigging T terry stars. I hate those. <laughs> They're the bane of explorers. Uh, but at the same time, if you fuel up too much, you're, you're going to be dropping your maximum cap of your, your uh, single jump range. So as long as they bring in some way of being able to purge fuel tanks or manage them, just a couple of small options like that, it, it, I think it would be a useful benefit to have an extra fuel tank. Okay, well, the other sort of major thing that they've decided to let us know about is obviously this mission revamping. So what they're saying is that obviously the the mission system as it's been and has been since the obviously sort of the um, basically the start of the uh, the beta really has been quite basic. You know, it's been go to the bulletin boards, follow a pretty linear sort of A to B, do this, go there, shoot that. What they've been saying now in PowerPlay is that they're actually they're revamping that, and the mission structure and the mission system as it currently stands is there. It's basic. It was a method that allows them to you know, add more things in easily. And with the next update, they're going to increase the variation within the mission types, uh, and they're also suggesting that they're going to be able to select mission locations and targets within the galaxy and system map. Sorry to butt in. This will kind of make it more relevant, I guess. Because there's a, at the moment, it doesn't feel very relevant, does it, when you mm. go for a mission? So no, if you're able to choose the, the, the faction that you, you're um, going for and, the, and the, the planets or systems that you're choosing, that, that's kind of like honing in on the relevance, I think, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you know, even the Frontier missions, which were oh yeah, on the surface quite similar, still had a little bit more variation than the ones that we've got now and still had a little bit more depth in terms of the story behind them. Mm. Um, these ones are literally just one title, a little bit of background, but not much, and then off you go and rinse and repeat. So, yeah, the fact that they're going to expand that and add a little bit more meat to the bone, I think, is superb. Mm, brilliant. Um, 
and they've also said that obviously the missions were, were quite a good option for the beginner players but as you progress through the game as you've got more money and better ships you know, the missions really you know, they weren't really for the experienced players so what they're hoping to do is they're actually going to overhaul that and you know, extend the missions out so that they're a good option for, for all the players um, with specific missions for higher ranks or status uh, even as far as you know, having specific missions for founder level members which would be interesting. I can't imagine exactly what sort of missions is a you know, founder level are going to be. But uh, what about you guys? Can you think of any sort of speculation as to what they could be? It's tough to say, isn't it? I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be things which are more involved with the uh, the background story and like uh, transport the emperor around something like that. That would be that would be interesting, something like that. Transport the emperor. Around. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're going to need passenger missions first, so <laughs> let's hope that comes in in power play. <laughs> yeah, so we've gone from uh, yeah the basic missions and all the way up to probably the maximum mission of any game: uh, go and transport the emperor around. Correct. <laughs> Nothing in between there is there john no what do you need anything in between no. <laughs> no i must admit i mean all seriousness i past the first couple of starter missions i haven't really been doing a lot of missions since then they they're not really profitable they don't really bring a lot to the table like you said they are very they do feel very placeholder and it's one of those things that kind of bugged me a little bit from the, the beginning yeah. it wasn't enough variation yeah. um and you know I, like I said, i've always said i love the procedural generation stuff but i feel sometimes that not enough focus is uh you know, people don't appreciate how much goes on with other things in procedural generation. Everyone sees the graphical side of things. They don't appreciate things like the, the generating the text stories and uh, all of the background information that goes into making those things happen. So that's I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think I concur with that, actually. I think that is, uh, gonna, it's definitely going to bring some life to it. That's all I'm really interested in. I want to have a reason to have a mission. So, yeah, definitely. You know, at the moment, when, when you've got your, your, the ship that you're happy with, whatever that ship may be, uh, in my case, it's a Cobra Mark III. I'm easily pleased. So, you know, I'm out there. I'm enjoying myself. I'm doing my own thing. I don't need a mission now. I would like to do missions, though. So I think this will be good. Excellent. Well... Grant, what's your opinion on the mission structure? I would imagine, given that I know you are one of these players that loves to get and spend all of his money on uh, on new and expensive ships and then go and crash them straight into the side <laughs> of the docking bay, <laughs> the fact that you can now get a better loan value for ships as you uh, as your Pilot's Federation ranking increases, uh, giving you a bit of a better safety net, I'm sure that's something that's going to be music to your ears, is it? Well, you'd have more insurance is always well, no, because it's going to make me take bigger risks, isn't it? I mean, my my current insurance level on the Type Nine is two and a half million, and I thought <laughs> thought just for tonight I would drive all the way to Shinrata. I caught up with Mad Dog because he was there in his stream. I picked up a nice Orca orange paint jobs and headed over to leave. Unfortunately, when I opened the game, it's causing some glitches tonight, so I'm not going to touch it now. I'm going to stay out of the game. But yeah, the Orca insurance is ridiculous as well. It's another two million. <laughs> so unless they've raised the loan amount to around about eight, nine million, I think I'm still in very high risk in shaky water. But I am ready to take the Emperor around in his taxi ride. <laughs> Well, for those people that have been listening live, not so much for the people in the podcast, because obviously in the podcast it gets edited, but you'll have noticed we've been having a few technical issues on the show tonight. And because we've had a few technical issues, our chief of operations at Lave Station has decided to drop by and bless us with his presence. So good evening, Mr. Jonathan Stabler. Good evening. How is everybody? Yeah, we're stumbling through, mate. How well, are you doing? 
Who who broke it? Who broke this, the the feed? Uh, I I I may have I may have dropped my wrench on something. Oh. <laughs> he dropped his wrench on me. That was the problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we've had a few technical difficulties, but uh, we brought you in at a good point, actually, John. The the dev updates, so the mission revamps, the uh, changing to uh, insurance, the increase in uh, fuel uh, modules. What's your opinion on on this stuff? Okay, well, first up, fuel. Um, I'm currently pottering around in a vulture, uh, which is a fantastic ship, but its range is kind of gimped by the eight-ton fuel tank. Um, I mean, obviously, I understand it's a short-range fighter, but uh, at the same time, you know, it would be good to add that extra fuel tank to kind of, you know, um, change its role slightly, and, and, you know, and I'm sure a lot of ships will benefit from that ability. So I think that's that's awesome. As far as missions go, um, I mean, I remember back in Frontier Elite 2, you know, the missions were kind of very similar to as they are now, in that they were a good place to start, but after a while, you were only doing it for reputation because the cash just it wasn't that great. Um, so, I mean, if they can swing these missions now so that they scale with your level and that it is a legitimate way to earn cash, then I think that, you know, they'll have reached the stage where they've, they've you know, it's better than Frontier Elite 2. So if they've done that, then, then great. There hasn't been a, a great deal of information about it, unfortunately. But just anything that can kind of get you away from, because I, I find myself either you know getting sitting down and doing a night of trading because I need the cash, or I end up doing a night of combat. But it would be kind of nice if the missions you know were a bit more involved and and it was something that you could do as part of whatever it was that you wanted to do that night. So um, I think it's good news. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did play missions in Frontier because they were part of the way that I built a narrative around the game. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before in terms of passenger missions. You you imagined the passenger. Uh, I know you only got a sort of brief couple of lines about who that passenger was and where they were going, but you basically you built the rest of the story in your head. Um, we don't have passenger missions in Elite Dangerous as yet, but same with the, uh, the military missions where you'd have to go and either do reconnaissance above a planet. Again, you built the storyline in your head. And the same with the, the nuking of the, the military bases, where you had to carry your, your one nuclear missile and drop it from orbit. You know, you built the story around those, but the current level of missions in Elite Dangerous isn't even to that sort of stage. Mm. Yeah. No. No. I mean, and, and like the military missions are just kind of the, the regular missions just skinned with a military theme. It's like, hi, instead of, instead of carrying this package for Bob, you're going to be carrying it for the military. Wow, you know it, it, it's not it's not great. So, um, and it was quite interesting because I think before they, re- you know, before the whole um, uh, before beta, even I, I seem to remember Sandy posting something on the forum saying, "Oh, we've got this awesome mission system. Uh, we're really looking forward. We're really really excited about it." Um, but that didn't that didn't arrive. So no. I'm not sure if, if it was the case that, you know, they hit a wall and they couldn't get it working for release and, and maybe what we're going to see now is that awesome mission system now that they've got it working. I don't know. Mm, well, I mean, obviously, the main topic that we're going to be discussing tonight is um, what to do when you've done everything. Um, you know, it, there's a few people out there who, 
you know, have posted videos saying that they've maxed out their money, they've maxed out their, their ships and stuff, and that there's nowhere left in the game for them to go. So, yeah, maybe with this mission update, it'll be something else that just adds a little bit more longevity to the, the game. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get on to the, the main discussion. Let's go into the latest update, which is uh, 1.2.0.7. No, it's not. It's 1.2.07. And this has brought us the vibrant paint jobs for all the ships, except the Anacondas, and the change of the capital ships so capital ships uh, are treated like players for assigning kills which will hopefully stop people from using the capital ships as uh, a way of farming kills anything else i've missed there or is that the major changes yeah that is the major changes i mean the um the addition of these extra colored skins are very good mainly because obviously people can have an orange sidewinder now <laughs> um but it's kind of the way they've released this same color pack for nearly all ships has kind of reignited that kind of argument about, you know, having to rebuy the same color for multiple ships. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people saying, why can't I buy a pack which then gets applied to all ships? Now, with like complex textures, I don't know, you know, that might be an issue, but for like block color, you know, uh, they may have a bit of a point, I guess. So, um, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people complaining about that. So that, that was the downer for the week as, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I did buy the, the Vibrant paint job um, because I was absolutely sick and tired of having just the, the pirate skin on my python. Um, so I bought it for that and then realized that the, the orange sidewinder, the elusive holy grail for us here on the, on the show, uh, was nestled away in the Vibrant color pack for the, for the sidewinder as well. So... I bought that one as well. So instead of just buying £5 worth of skins, I bought £10 worth of skins and felt a little bit robbed about it. But I suppose it's worth it in order to be able to hover a, an orange sidewinder outside Lowe Station for these shows and stuff. Um, but apart from that, nothing else really to uh, to report in the update? No, it's, it's just all making things for the better and fixes. Um, but 10 quid, mate, for painting two ships it is a bit steep, I think. Well, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, I can paint them lots of different colours. Uh, okay, they saw you coming. Yeah, they <laughs> did see you, me coming. Mind yeah. you, I bought the pack as well for for the um, the vulture. Uh, just, but I, I got to the stage where I just couldn't ch- decide on a single color, so I end up docking <laughs> and changing color every time. Uh, <laughs> but maybe there should be an option for that. Like, uh, you should be able to sort of have a random skin selection. So every time you leave the station, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise for you. Grand, what colour do what skill, try again? What colour scheme did you buy, mate? You, you seem awfully, con, you know, confident that I picked up skins. Of course, you did. <laughs> yes, I've got a bright yellow T nine and <laughs> a, a bright orange uh, orca. So yes, it's, I think it just adds a little bit of uh, a difference to it. Now, the handy thing with the yellow is that people can see me from quite some distance, so they know to clear the docking slot. <laughs> see this large yellow JCB Type 9 come floating in and they go they go to all corners of the station away from wherever I am. Which has been really helpful, actually. It's quite a good thing. So that's a positive for them. So why do we know why it is that they've decided to show no love to those people that have actually grinded their way all the way up to, the, to an anaconda then? Well, I know that Karash will know the exact answer to this, and I think it is to do with what we see as a potentially simple job of creating skins and the actual the actual difficulty levels because uh, I'm no crash touched on this last week about the way that it gets applied so maybe he can jump in and take over 
<laughs> Go on, I was, I said there was a lot of rumor and speculation going around, I must admit. But yeah, the, the problem is with the, um, the textures being applied for the ships is that they're not just bitmaps. They're not just something you can just take over and copy and paste. And, you know, I, I think all that's happened here is the guys just run out of time to get it on every single ship. And looking at the size and the scale of an anaconda, that there's a lot of surface to cover and double check and you know make sure you've got every single nook and cranny covered by the vector that you're applying to that space and everything so i, I think they just run out of q a time to get out on the anaconda i'm sure it'll come at some point in the future right so you heard it here first guys uh, if it doesn't happen <laughs> you can always blame crash but on the next <laughs> update you can expect to see the, the finally you can actually get a different paint job for your anacondas and if it doesn't then just you know go onto the twitch stream go to crash landing and give them a hard time about it uh, okay, the uh, the capital ships, people farming uh, kills with capital ships. Have any of you guys done that? I know with the Conclave episodes, I've had a few people that have been on from some of the larger community queues that have been doing that during the Lou um, conflict. Uh, obviously great that it's patched, but did anybody actually use it that much? I know somebody that was in the live radio chat that had been logged off, and sorry, they'd gone away, left themselves logged in overnight. And managed to reach the rank of deadly. So you're kidding? No, no. So I mean, I, okay, know I didn't realise it was that effective. I think it depends, and that that was purely because of the community project, which meant that there was a lot more activity there. But again, there's a huge, huge risk that if you're not there watching your ship, you're at risk of other players coming along and taking advantage of you sitting there with your turrets shooting all these other things and take you out quite easily. So it could be quite expensive, but. It definitely was uh, a very clever glitch to take advantage of, but no, I've not done any combat. I am still competent, I think, <laughs> in my combat <laughs> ranking. It, I'll get to it. First of all, trade, and I'm at entrepreneur now, which is great. So I'm getting closer to elite in one of them. Ah, what were you before, entrepreneur? Because I think you must be just a level above me. Oh, crikey, it was a strange... No, what was it? It was... Uh, was it broker? Broker, that's it. Okay, so entrepreneur is my next step. 134 million trading profit. Okay, it's going to take me a while. Fine, that's quite a big jump for me. Never mind. Okay, let's move on to newsletter number 70 and start off with the peak of the week. Who wants to jump in here? Seeing as you were talking about trading... And it looks like it's coming out of the lake on shipyards. Grant, why don't you start us off with the Diamondback? Do you not think it looks awfully like the Vulture? You know? Um, I, I would have said a Vulture. If a Vulture and a Type 7 had a baby. It is. I mean, it looks, it looks exciting. I mean, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, is that in between the T7 and, and T9? It's hard to tell, isn't it, until we kind of get a rough idea of this, the storage of it. But it looks good. I certainly think, you know, I've probably got enough credits now that when it comes out, I might be able to afford it, so I will report back on that one. <laughs> Crash, what's your opinion as our resident test pilot? <laughs> well, it, to me, it looks like a good all-rounder, I think. It, it's got a little bit of a mix of everything. I'm hoping it's going to be geared towards the Alliance a little more. It's definitely got that Lacon sort of look to the front of the cockpit there, but with the swept-back wings, it looks a little bit more like that kind of Federation styling there. So, yeah, it's an interesting mix of various styles. I'm hoping those... Big sections on the side are, are not uh, any kind of intakes, but they're actually somewhere I can stick gigantic weapons, in which case uh, I'm, I'm quite interested in trying that one out. But, uh, yeah, looks very interesting. 
Okay, well, from my side of things, and this might just be, uh, I'll hold my hand up and say it really just might be that, about the fact that I've been watching quite a lot of uh, 80s Japanese um, robots, mech cartoons at the moment. But does nobody else think it looks a little bit like an animal? When you look at the front of it, it looks like a, I don't know, sort of like He-Man's Battle Cat. It looks like something like a tiger or a panther wearing a helmet and a muzzle. Have a look at it and see whether or not you can see a panther or a tiger or an animal with a mask on. No. No? Sorry, false. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I your think... sleep deprivation is, is affecting your vision, mate. Oh, come on. You can even see the eye. There's an eye of a tiger there as well. Oh, no. Here we go. No. 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 It looks it looks to me very. Uh, it looks like an assault ship to me. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. I'm sorry, not like no, manga. Yeah, I, I think it, no. I think it kind of fits with the um, the drop ship. That it's got that kind yeah. of military look about it. So yeah, I'll go with assault ship. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. I'm kind of hoping that it's going to fit somewhere between a cobra and asp. I think it's going to be a, about equal to a cobra. Hopefully, a little bit more. And what sort of tonnage do you reckon this is going to be? What do you reckon the cargo capacity? Because obviously the Lacons are, are mainly traders. Where do you think it's going to sit? Do you reckon it's between a Type 6 and a Type 7? Between a Type 7 and a Type 9? Could this be the Type 8? No, I don't, I don't think it's that big. I, th- I think oh, a, a couple of hundred tons, maybe something like that. It's that sort of range, I think. It's, it definitely looks like a, a medium-sized ship, nothing bigger. Hmm. Yeah, just to, just going by the cockpit size, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you know bigger than a cobra, but not quite as cumbersome as an asp. Okay, um, so who's going to be rushing out to buy one of these things on uh, yeah, day one of power play? Well, if it's better than the vulture in terms of it's, it's if it's got two large hard points plus something else, then I will plus another hard point of some description, then I will definitely be interested. Depends on the manoeuvrability. Uh, I'm not into top speed. I don't find it that useful because I don't run away. If it's manoeuvrable, I'm all for it. Okay. Well, it's certainly different to you know, all the ships that we've currently got in game. So always nice to have that bit of variety coming into the uh, the ship garage, as, we, as it were. Other things in the newsletter. Obviously, Elite Dangerous were at the I-54, which I must admit, I completely, this one completely went over my head. I didn't realise it was going on. I'm not actually that far away from Coventry. Um, and it was going on at the Coventry's, uh, Coventry Arena. And there was a few faces on there that we uh, we recognised. Obviously, Bill Bailey sat down and had a go of Elite Dangerous. I would love to actually see some video and hear what he actually uh, thought of the Oculus Rift and Elite Dangerous. I'm sure he had some interesting things to say about it. You can't really see his face, though, can you? I mean, it, it might it might just be any old guy with long hair and a beard. We just got to take that word for it. You reckon? I think he's pretty distinctive. Yeah, I, I would might, say that uh, he might not remember it. <laughs> you know, it's just with those Oculus goggles on and the headset. I don't know. It could be anyone. Yeah, you think you're just trying to get a, a bit of yeah quick publicity out of it? Do you? Oh, come yeah, on. just be careful. I reckon, Fozzo, if you're not careful, that they'll they'll dig out a picture of you and then say, "Look, Darren Breen's come to play." I don't. Uh, but if, you, if, you, if you're going to shoot the moon and try and bring some kind of celebrity level, do you really start with Bill Bailey? I love Bill Bailey. I've seen him live many times. I think he's oh, awesome. I 
love him, but if you're trying to sort of get into the newspapers, Bill Bailey's not where you start. You go big. <laughs> so who do you think would be the ideal sort of poster boy with an Oculus Rift and a hot ass in his hands? Oh, goodness. I, know, I think Daryl Breen is obviously a very, very big celebrity, but not necessarily in the terms of popularity, but just physical size. So he could be quite good. But he might make the Oculus look like a child's toy. So that's a bit of a risk. Um, it is a child's toy. What are you on about? I'm rude. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's kind of hard. Bruce Willis, there you go. Bruce Willis or, 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 um, oh, crikey. Nathan Fillion. There you go. Right. That's who you Nathan, want. Nathan, Nathan oh, Fillion. Nathan Fillion yeah. uh, Bruce Willis, I probably wouldn't go with at all. I don't think he's got the best reputation these days, does he, Bruce Willis? In fact, all they need to do is Photoshop some of the hair off Bill Bailey there, and they could have said it was Bruce Willis. <laughs> well, uh, Colin's desperately trying to get in touch with us and tell us that we should be uh, suggesting Dr. Brian Cox would be the perfect person to uh, No, he's to not telling enough as it is. No. Yeah, uh, he's good for the explorers, but you know, Dr. Brian Cox does not exactly strike me as someone that would be a great pirate or a great mercenary. No, I tell you, I'd prefer to see the other Brian Cox. Now, that would be a celebrity. Who's the other Brian Cox? You know, Brian Cox, the actor, who the Scottish actor. He played um, Hogan in, um, in the Sharp series. He was also in the Borden Identity. Yeah, you must know him. No, no, no. I'm going to have to jump onto IMDb after big, this. Big yeah. scary guy. They're, they're suggesting yeah. in IRC chat that Keanu Reeves... Would be good, William Shatner. William Shatner wouldn't know Whoa, what he was doing. Really? <laughs> Not William Shatner. He'd charge you for it anyway. <laughs> Helen um, Mirren. There you are. Oh, will you shut up? Let just let no. Helen Mirren. Are we just Crash. saying sort of random names? I'm sure that's always. Oh, doing I, I that. thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> we're at that. Then Crash. what hole? Oh, will you just stop it? Right, let's draw. Let's just leave it there. Let's just move on. In fact, let's just let's just ditch all of this complete section. Uh, have an advert and come back for the main discussion point. Greetings, Commanders. Ambassador Crash here, and you're listening to Lave Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Join us live every Tuesday at 8.30pm BST for the latest news on Elite Dangerous and the fantastic community behind it. You can also chat to me live every Friday at 8pm BST on the official community Twitch stream, Crash Landing, Lave Radio, crash tested and approved since the year 3200. Uh, okay, so the main topic for episode 58 is what you do when you complete Elite Dangerous. Now, obviously, Elite Dangerous in its current format is an ever-evolving uh, simulation, so they're adding stuff all the time. But at the moment, what do you do once you've filled your bank accounts? You've got the best rank you can. You've got all the permits you need. You've got all the ships in your garage that you could possibly want to fly. What do you do next? Let's start with Mr. Richardson. John. Hello. Well, first of all, you've made a good definition of complete there, but some people would disagree with you by that list. So some people would say that that is not a definition or a definitive list of complete at all. They are just tasks, and the game itself goes on forever. 
Okay, so I mean, is there such a thing as complete? What would you define as being complete, other than having sort of ticked all the boxes of the the stuff, the roles that's currently in the game? I, w- I would tend to agree with you and say that yeah, if I've got the ship that I want, and yeah, if I've got the rank that I want. Although everyone should really be trying to go for elite in all all three areas, I would imagine. Um, so if you've c- crossed off your personal goals, then you should have some form of draw to keep you going. I think, and that's where the the story piece comes in, the background narrative, you know, um, to, to the hook into the game. That's that's where that becomes important, I think. So, but yeah, I would say that some people would say, well, that's all those all those things you've listed are not the be all and end all of the game. The game is what you're doing in game in your head using your imagination. So I'm just okay. talking about that. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, we've already discussed it on the show in terms of, you know, the stories you'd make up in terms of, you know, carrying passengers from A to B and, you know, hovering above uh, military bases, whether or not you're taking photographs of them or whether or not you can, you know, drop a nuke on them and, and you're making the stories up. But surely that was okay for, you know, the years 2000. But now we're in 2015. Yeah, this is a next generation game. Surely there should be more stuff out there for people to, you know, to get their teeth stuck into. It shouldn't just be that we have to make up our own game because, you know, arguably there isn't enough content in the actual game uh, for us to go at. What do you reckon, John? Which John? Come on, fast! Uh, no, you three Johns now. You wanted the three Johns. <laughs> okay, I've um, got the three I, Johns. Haven't I? So I was going to yeah, go with John I'm Richardson. Just... Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Well, I put it in. Yeah. Well, you carry on then, John. Okay, well, I was going to be contrarian anyway, so, you know, we'll, we'll segue a little bit. I'm kind of of the opinion that actually it's, you need the meta game to save you. You know, we want it to be kind of like EVE in, in that respect. That, you know, what, what we want is we want the players to be generating, like, the kind of end game content. So we want to encourage players to invest in the game in such a way that, you know, they've got their ideal ship, they've got the rank. But they still, you know, they still still feel something about the galaxy. They want to shape the galaxy in some way, and whether that's through, you know, um, grouping with other players and over, you know, doing the stuff that David Braben promised, you know, the overthrowing of governments, the taking over of systems, um, you know, and I, I can't see how they can currently do it with, you know, the current mechanics they've got, because the best you can do, I guess is go into a system and work really, really hard, doing lots of missions, doing lots of, you know, uh, you know, wait for it to break out into civil war, go to the um, the combat zones and, and, you know, kick some butt. But basically, yeah, the outcome of that is just the system will, you know, it'll transfer to another faction or go independent or something. And it's great the first time you do it. You get to say, yeah, I was involved in that. But I think there's got to be something a bit... There's, there's got to be more feedback to the players so, so they know that they're changing something. And it's got to be something that players can be emotionally invested in so they will, you know, they won't just take over a system, they will, you know, defend it. Okay, that's an interesting point. And for those people that have been following the Conclave, uh, it's something that we've certainly talked about with some of the larger uh, group leaders, you know, this this feeling of ownership and wanting to write their own story so that you know, once the narrative in the game has, has ran dry, um, yeah, the, the the big groups, the big organisations can start writing their own narratives. They can you know, have their own home system that they've managed to flip 
Yeah, eventually, maybe they can build their own station in it, and then they can start defending it from you know, rival corporations or rival organizations. Um, that's definitely something that they would like to see long term. And it was certainly something that would keep the players interested for some time to come. Uh, Mr. Richardson. Yes, um, I think the the piece that's just been touched on there is very good. And I, I think that is something that could be a, a great addition to the game. But I also think that there is a, a certain amount of um, reticence out there where people are worried in case you get situations where you have no-go areas and stuff like that. But then again, we've got this whole instancing system, which makes the whole territory owning thing a, a little bit difficult, doesn't it? That would be really hard to actually manage. So therefore, you would go with more with what John was saying, I think, which is around the story entwining with the player rather than the territory entwining with the player. Do you, do you see what I mean there? Yeah, definitely, because regardless of who yeah. owns the system, I mean, you can have a system that's being controlled by the, the most bloodthirsty set of pirates known to the galaxy. Uh, and if you jump into Solo, you can fly straight to their base or you can fly straight to any of the stations, trade your goods and fly straight back out again. And uh, none of that uh, big meta game will have any impact on you whatsoever. So something needs to, uh, something needs to change in order for that to actually have any sort of bearing when it comes to territory. But what about what about things like flipping the systems? Is is that something that people are going to going to be happy to continue to do ad infinitum? Uh, Crash. I, I've been trying so hard. <laughs> so so much effort has been going in. I applaud that everyone who's been helping me trying to get our system to to flip down in Teshub, and it just seems very very painful, very very difficult thing to do. And I'm hoping they layer more onto that in the moment because um, it is getting very difficult to do that and. I don't see an end to the game, though. I mean, I see what we're doing now is just more of that layer it on. You don't see games like World of Warcraft coming to an end anytime soon. They're constantly adding more and more and more stuff onto it. There's always more to look forward to. I think people get accustomed to the amount of content they have at different rates, I believe, you know, and, and patience is, is different for every single person. Some people don't like certain aspects of the game, so won't bother trying to do it. But then when you look at uh, other people, I mean, my, I myself, I very much vary how I play the game and I do a little bit of everything. So I don't see myself getting bored with it for a long, long time. And I'm, hopefully I'm going to stay behind that curve of the guys being, ab- being able to add more and more content in over time. Yeah, you do a little bit of everything, do you, Crash? I, I try. <laughs> and how much mining have you done? I have done a little bit of mining. And I've really? Made, yeah, I've made a few tens of thousands in a couple of runs, actually. So, yeah, um, I quite it's peaceful. It's like, you know, just taking that weekend off, just doing, doing a bit of fishing instead of what you'd normally do. I quite like it. Well, mining might be another one of those areas. Now that we've got the collection drones and stuff mm. uh, coming in with power play, it might be something that gets a little bit more love. I certainly know that most people have avoided mining just because it's so dull uh, in its current format. But um, what about... Um, what about the you know, PvP element? Obviously, um, you know, people, I don't know. There's a PvP seems to have sort of like a bad rep at the moment within the game. There's a lot of fuss going on about the fact that the code are camped outside in Lave and, you know, you can't go anywhere in Lave Station in the open without, you know, 
losing all your ship and all your cargo, and that's not what 99.999% of Eve, uh, Eve, uh, of elite dangerous players want to do with the game. They just want to, you know, do their trading and do their, you know, player versus environment. So, is there anything we could do with uh, PvP that will, you know, add to the longevity of the game or make it a little bit more interesting? Uh, I don't know where you. Oh, sorry. I, I don't know where you got that 99.9% statistic from. <laughs> is it the place where most people get statistics from, is it? 80% yeah, of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah. Same place, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, there does seem, whether it's just the vocal minority or, or what, but a lot of people seem to be uh, you know, staying away from the, the PvP elements to the point where a lot of the PvP guys are a little bit frustrated by it all. Um but yeah, maybe that's just a that's just my perception of it. Uh, but do you think there's anything they can do to change the PvP element of it that would make it more, uh, yeah, more interesting for those people that have yet to explore it or those people that are avoiding it? Let's go to Crash. Well, it, like I said, it, it's it's difficult. I, I don't mind a little bit of everything. I've had points where I've you know I've gotten to some PvP that I didn't want to. I was pottering along on my way and I was in open. Uh, and I can see why people get frustrated with it and why it causes a bit of a divide in the community. Um, I think, you know, we've got the options in front of us. If we want to go open or solo, it's entirely up to us. Play it the way you want to play it. You know, blaze your own trail. That's the term we should all be using there. But I don't mind it. If I'm in the right mood and I want to just try a little bit of PvP, I will just sit in open and, and get into some combat. I think it adds nice kind of risk and reward to the game. That's the important thing to remember is staying in a stagnant position doing the same thing over and over again and then complaining you're getting bored doing it it's like well <laughs> oh, um, try something different you know uh, so it, you, you, I like the fact that the game gives you the options that, that's the key thing for me it lets me do what I want when I want to do it so I'm quite, I'm quite happy to go on as it is okay uh, John what would you change is there anything you'd change about PvP yeah, certainly. I would change a lot of things about PvP. I would I would make sure that uh, Logovsky wouldn't be possible, although I understand there are actually uh, mechanical difficulties with that at the moment. So that that's a real killer to PvP at the moment, when people are in a legitimate PvP match, if you like, and uh, are fighting each other, and someone just says, ooh, I'm just about to die, out goes the network plug. You know, that's that's not really fair. So, and that makes a lot of people who are fighting them um, get fed up. Um, and, it, and the fight could have gone either way, really, you know. And if you are playing in open, uh, I am of the firm belief that if you are in open, you are in a PvP environment. If you are trading, you are actually taking part in a form of PvP. When you're flipping systems in solo, Believe it or not, you are actually taking part in PvP because your actions or inactions are affecting the flip of the system. So and, and all of these things are, are, are PvP to a lesser or greater extent. But I think some of the mechanics need sorting out. The bounty hunting um, needs to be resolved, I think. And we need to have meaning to the PvP. So that, that's my thoughts on it. I don't know why anyone else thinks. It's all gone quiet. <laughs> So, no, well, not I was, stable, I was just going to add in my personal experience. Um, I mean, I've done you know PvP on and off. Um, you know, when I've needed to make cash, I've I've just focused on trading, and I've for the most part I've just avoided other players. I do prefer to play in open. 
Um, but um, over the last couple of days, I've been in a federal system which we managed to make independent. Way, um, but I was very frustrated that I would go into a um, a kind of I'd go into a, like a combat zone, um, and I was on the difficult side. I was um, coming in um, as you know the the liberator, and most of the players were playing on the federal side because no doubt they found the combat zones easier because most of them were on that side already. Whereas if I jumped in, uh, there was, you know, like five or six enemy players who all jumped on me as soon as they saw me. But I stuck it out. But on the on the occasions when I got the upper hand with one of them, there was people logging out during combat. And I, I just couldn't I, I just couldn't believe it. I, 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 I was genuinely disappointed that people were doing that. And um, I'm not going to say it ruined my immersion or anything like that, you know, because I've seen it in plenty of other games. Um, but I was just kind of saddened by it because these the people that were logging out. I mean, they weren't even in expensive ships, you know. It, it, so yeah, I, I think it does ruin the game. And also, if if it's, I, I think it's, it's broken at the moment. It's kind of hard to have meaning in PvP if you can avoid the repercussions. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we should all get T-shirts with "It broke my immersion" printed on them, so we can wear them at the LaveCon. Um, Crash, what's your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, sorry. When I started talking, I was just thinking about all the nice, fluffy things I, I wanted. I didn't think about uh, the potential problems we currently have. But yeah, the, the whole logging off thing—it's a big issue. Not not just for Elite, for for all kinds of games. It, it's a really difficult thing. I mean, how do you stop someone physically pulling the network cable out of the back of their machine with software? The answer is you don't. You can't. There's nothing you could do about it. All you can do is put mitigating things in to prevent it from becoming a long-term problem for multiple people. And that's the kind of things that Frontier are doing. I can't talk about exactly how or what they're doing but they are tracking various things and stuff and you know they will be clamping down on it it's just one of those things that you're not going to stop everyone doing that overnight you have to identify the individuals and eventually it will become less and less of a problem it's just it's not going to change overnight the most that we can do as players is to use that in-game report feature if we think people are doing it report them you know and that's that's why i don't see enough people doing that but the more that we do that the easier it will be for frontier to track down people that are doing those kind of things and prevent them from doing it hold on a second there's an in-game report feature Yes, on the main menu. No <laughs> newsflash. That's your public service announcement for tonight. Use that report feature. Well, hold on. You say it's difficult, but why not just sort of adopt the same um, the same idea that you know some of the other on massively multiplayer online games have gone, where you have a sort of mm-hmm. cooling off period. So if you even if you lose your connection, you're still in game and vulnerable for for sixty seconds or thirty seconds, just to give you know, whichever person was fighting you a chance to finish you off before you uh, before you get off. Yeah, and a lot of these things have been discussed in the in the DDF over and over. And uh, you, some of the things, the arguments were that if if I lost my connection for a legitimate reason, it's it's unfair that I get taken down for the same problems. And you know, so there's a lot of toing and froing going on in there. I don't think anyone is actually. Uh, I mean, anyone in the game industry has come up with a, a suitable solution to this problem over the years. Uh, some of them work, some of them are better, but then you, there's arguments to and from in both directions, I think. I don't think you're ever going to come up with a, an adequate solution. But I think citing like fringe cases as, a, as an argument is problematic because you can use it in pretty much any scenario. The thing is, I mean, we're not talking about using modems or anything like that. You know, most people these days 
you know, they, they have, if you've got a stable enough internet connection, you know, to play a, a game for any amount of time, you know, the actual, you know, the, the times when you actually do lose internet connection are so rare that I, I, I find it's a bit silly to make, you know, big decisions just based on very, on what are edge cases. Yeah, and that's the difficult thing with it. I mean, I, I still have problems with my internet connection now. I mean, some some days is better than others. Some days I can have it drop out three times in one evening, which is a right pain in the backside. The problem that Frontier have is trying to identify those legitimate things which are just unfortunate for the end user and the things which are genuine. Some person who's just doing it again and again and again. It's trying to identify those users, picking them out from the crowd and you know, taking them uh, to task for it, really, and putting them in a sin bin or some other thing. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing on the forum, actually, that there was um, uh, so, some logging that's been done to actually gather that information, though. So they're the looking to see if you're under threat when you're, um, you're, you're under attack when you, you log off. Uh, when you're not under attack, that sort of thing. So they're starting to build up a picture as to how often and under what circumstances people are logging off. And that's part of the first step, really, isn't it? The gathering information piece before they can actually come up with any form of solution to it. And the, the best thing about this, I think, is the fact that they're actually looking at it and you can see them looking at it to, to actually do something about it. So rather than just making a... Uh, a sort of a, a finger in the air sort of thing, right? Well, we'll make sure that everyone stays in the game for two minutes after they log off. You know, they're actually putting some thought behind it and trying to determine what circumstances are actually um, the most common. Okay, well, let's think about um, before we sort of wrap this one up. You know, in terms of updates, in terms of blue sky thinking, in terms of stuff that frontier developments can throw into the game, you know, for the more experienced players as they climb up the ladder. What sort of things do you guys think, or what sort of things would you guys want to see? Oh, yeah, take out transporting Emperor, whoever, from planet A to planet B. Take that one out of the equation. Now, what sort of things would you like to see yourselves being able to do once you've got to the top of the tree? Let's start off with uh, Mr. Stabler. I'd like to be a commander of, like, um, a guild or something. Okay, uh, so that's sort of out of game. Well, I think it, I, it's metagame. You know, that interests me. I think that we're always going to be limited by the game. I mean, when Frontiers say they're adding content, what they're doing is they're adding layers onto the experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and they've. I thought their philosophy was that it was about players playing their own game and, and they liked the idea. When people were saying, well, you know, we used our imagination and we... I think they still want to keep to that. And mm-hmm. I think that metagaming is just the next level of that. You know, letting players make their own fun, use it as a sandbox rather than trying to push players in different directions and things. So the reason people were against guilds is because they were just naturally linked to griefing. And I thought that there wasn't much debate on that point, to be honest, because I think, I think if you're going to encourage metagaming, you need to encourage social interaction. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, the current wings, although it's a massive leap on what they had, it's, it's not enough. Okay, so obviously... Guilds can be seen in two ways. What you're talking about, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff and create your narrative outside of the game in terms of you know, websites and forums and stuff like that. What sort of things would you like to see in-game surrounding the guilds in terms of, I don't know, guild management or you know, features within guilds that would enhance the, the guilds, the metagaming aspect of it within the 
you know, within the actual framework of the game. Well, I mean, just being able to communicate as a guild and coordinate in a way that allows you to have an impact on this background simulation. Yeah. I think that in itself is, is, is worth doing. So in terms of sort of guilds and sort of um, uh, group tools, in other words, so in ways to actually communicate within a particular guild or ways to actually sort of organize uh, like a meeting point, a rally point or, or, yeah. or a mission objectives, I mean, when- that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, what I'd like to see is that, you know, when they do have uh, walking around on stations and planets and things, you know, there'll be one bar in a particular system which is synonymous with John Stabler's Guild. And if you walk in there, you're going to find them all hanging out there. Mm. And then, um, you know, we'll all meet up there for a beer and then we'll jump in our ships. Uh, Obviously, we'll only be drinking shandy because I don't um, condone drinking and flying. (laughs) <laughs> and then we'll, um, we'll we'll decide to go and pick a massive fight in a federal system somewhere, and that's the kind of stuff I want to see. Okay, John, Mr. Richardson, John, I agree with John. Actually, I, I think uh, having a, a place to call home would be good. I think you also need to have um, adequate tools to be able to communicate with your guild members. So, an in-game mail system, for instance, would be a start of it. But thinking around what else to do in the game, I was thinking more along the the crafting side of stuff. We've got lots of raw materials on these planets, supposedly, so I would like to see some use being made of those and some factory installations and some modules that are customised and, you know, obviously within certain tolerance ranges and, you know, not to, to, to overpower ships and whatnot, but to have some form of trading facility like that. I don't know, I think that would add a certain layer to to the game, and I think it would give a lot of people a reason to communicate and add add things to it. I think it would be good. Well, I mean, what you're talking about there is something that obviously they've got now with uh, EVE Online, and they've got a very sort of micromanagement level of, of crafting in terms of obviously the various different levels of, of but, raw materials and crafting yeah, and that, that sort of stuff you'd like to see? or Sort of, but I mean, EVE Online's crafting is, um, it, it has always been a bit, you get the blueprint and it's kind of like you're making what you're doing. You know, you, you make the one thing from this blueprint. And that's, that's, that's all very fine and well, but you can, you can go better than that. You can go along the Star Wars Galaxies line of crafting, which was arguably some of the best crafting in any uh, space-based MMO. You know, that, that was quite good. How was that different? Because well, some people uh, haven't played uh, Star Wars Galaxy. Okay, uh, basically imagine, imagine a planet and imagine you need some resources from that planet. And these resources changed on a frequent basis over a period of several days. So you might mine, I don't know, lead from a planet and then you get a certain quality of that lead from that one planet. You get a certain quality of tin from that planet. And then every every few days it changed. And this would affect the raw material quality. So therefore this would affect the output in terms of the finished goods. So what what that led to, it led to people um, going to the different planets trying to source the best materials for the crafting. And a, a great deal of trade took place on that in terms of the outside of game activity where people communicate in the best planets for the different resources. The fact that when you were creating something, um, it had your name stamped on it. So they knew it was going to be created, you know, anything created by Fuzzer, for instance, 
would be you know of this uh, fairly good quality and uh, you gained a name for yourself in terms of vendors and people went to go to you to buy stuff and you know created that whole economy piece which was which was absolutely brilliant i've got to say um, and it's been unmatched anywhere in any other game. Uh, there's lots of people <laughs> sort of talking about stuff on 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 the uh, chat there, but you know it, it was unmatched the, the crafting, and I think that could be done quite easily. In fact, um, but that's just one aspect of it. That's a reason to get the crafters in, and mm-hmm. then of course you've got the other people who we were talking about earlier, where they need to be interwoven with the stories. You've got the other people who are focused more on people, and they would like to take part in their PvP. So you've got all these different layers of different people, and all of it requires things like communication tools, um, which are probably key, I think, in the game. So an in-game mail system, some form of better chat system, really. Uh, I find it a little bit difficult to use the chat system. I'm a member of a couple of groups, for instance, and you don't get any chat requests. You know, I've made chat requests to people, but I've, I've not had any responses. So it's actually quite lonely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, and it shouldn't be because we're in uh, this big galaxy with, you know, roughly about 400,000 people playing it. Yeah, so no reason to fly alone then. That's right, yeah. So that's where I was going with that anyway. So okay. I would like to see that sort of stuff being done. Maybe construct in space. I don't know whether that's possible or not, but... Um, you know, all of that sort of thing could be a good idea, but it's all a bit pipe dreamish, I think, at the moment. <laughs> well, everything is at the moment, but Crash, uh, what's your pipe dreams? Well, yeah, I think everyone's touched on all of those things coming together, I think, is, is the important thing for me. is There's no one particular thing I want to see. It's the potential of all of them coming together to make a, a really coherent, enjoyable experience for everyone to get, get in and play. And you need all of these layers. We come up with a... Uh, we was chatting along in the Live Radio Elite chat earlier on, and the same topic come up, actually. I was talking about the idea of crafting. I'm not completely against it. I know that uh, there's been a lot of talk about you should or shouldn't have crafting in the game you know these kind of things different people enjoy different kind of things so it's nice to see variation in there and the idea of crafting is uh, seems really cool i love that idea of being able to find that rock hermit living in an asteroid somewhere make, making those specialized weapons that sounds great but i feel that in order to make crafting work in the elite universes you really need the idea of guilds and corporations first it doesn't make sense that in in this century uh, the elite setting that people on their own would be crafting individual items i don't think it makes a lot of sense it needs to be a big community effort to make something like that happen i think okay john that makes sense john um yeah just the other thing i was thinking of um one thing that wings has brought in we're talking about players actually communicating with each other is i have seen more instances now of you know you'll jump into um, a combat zone or, or something like that, and that there'll be other players there, and they'll actually contact you and they'll say, "Do you want to? Do you want to go in a wing together?" So there's been that positive impact in that respect. Um, so more of that definitely. But how about you know when you um, take on a mission, for example? I'd like for for it to kind of give you. I'd like first of all, I'd like missions to be available that require one, more than one ship to do it. Um, kind of like they've already got these strong signal sources, which which are recommended for wings of players. I'd like to see missions that are geared towards wings of players, and and so the rewards are 
that much greater as well. But in a way, it would be cool to, if, if somebody picked up a mission, that it would be nice, just like they're doing with the wings, to approach other players and say, oh, can you come and help me with this mission? Because I can't do it on my own. And it's creating those social opportunities for players to, to meet and, and actually get involved with each other. And so I, I found the easiest way to make that happen, and it was, it's been done in other MMOs, is for actually people to take on missions and then share them with other players that come into the wing, say, or something like that, I think that alone would increase the uh, number of social interactions. No, I agree. Uh, it's obviously one of the ways that EVE Online kept me involved was the fact that you know once you got a juicy mission, you'd basically go and, and build your team around the mission and get as many of your friends involved with all the various requisite skills and the right ships and stuff. And you know, at the end of it, you share the loot out amongst you. It, it worked really well. So something like that coming into Elite Dangerous, I think, would actually work exceptionally well. Okay, final thought on this before we move on and go into our community corner. How long are players going to be prepared to wait? Um, so with this, I'm thinking about how many updates should Frontier Developments be looking at pushing out per year? And does that depend on size? And if you're a player like you know, the guy who started this topic off, who's done everything, are you going to hang around waiting for all these new changes to the game? Are you going to be prepared to wait for you know, three months, six months, a year? What sort of leeway or time frame do, uh, do Frontier need to play with? Uh, let's go with the ever-optimistic. Let's go with Crash. <laughs> yeah i'm always enthusiastic i know it, it, it is an important thing though it's something that has got to be in the back of minds of everyone at frontiers they need to keep up that pace they need to keep the interest and keep the community alive so it, it's difficult to say because i i, I will find i mean I, still things i go back to frontier elite 2 and I, I feel like just playing that every now and then so i, I think there's always going to be something to keep me interested and go and come and try um but yeah they definitely need to keep the the rate of things up and going what they've been doing, doing so far with the updates 1.2, 1.3 is just around the corner. Um, I think they've been keeping the pace up quite nicely. Hopefully they can keep that going for the next year or two. Okay. Uh, John? Um, well, I mean, as far as people that have you know, already achieved everything, I mean, to be fair, there's other games out there. I've played World of Warcraft and took extended breaks from it. I never looked at, right, I'm bored of this, I'm never coming back to it. Uh, because as soon as more content comes back, as long as it's you know there's no issues with you being able to rejoin, then people will do that. I mean, it's already a pattern that exists in other games. So I think the important thing, is, as um, Crash just said, is, is getting regular content so that people say, well, you know, I, I think I've had enough for now, but I know there'll be an update soon. And that um, obviously updates are communicated in a way that people know that they're out and about and they can come and rejoin. Cool. Okay. John? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think um, oh, I'm going to be the miserable one here, by the way. <laughs> Sorry about that. But no, I think go for it. The, the sooner the better, really. I mean, we're seeing a large number of people posting uh, Elite is boring, blah, 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 on the forums themselves. There's a quite a preponderance of those threads uh, at the moment. There's also a lot of people now, it's almost like the last-ditch I'm going to go to Sagittarius A sort of piece. Yeah. You know, this is my last ditch effort to do something, and then I'm probably going to take a break. You can almost get that from from some people. So I think Frontier really need to... And I, hopefully this new expansion or new piece that's coming out, 
will resolve some of those issues, or at least the immediate issues. But I think the sooner rather than later. So I think within the, within the year, definitely. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this particular topic. What we're going to do, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then after that, we're going to come back for Community Corner. Choose life, choose a ship, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a fucking big ship, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, local estrel and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends, choose leisure wear and matching luggage, choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of fucking colours. Choose decals, exploration, and wondering where the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing fucking junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. Until some fucker comes along to steal your ship, your cargo, and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? Okay, so Community Corner this week, one of our listeners contacted us to tell us that there'd been a capital versus capital ship battle uh, within the game. And there's been a little bit of video on and some forum posts on this. And it's the first time we've actually seen this, apart from obviously the Damocles video, which was staged, actually happening live within the simulation. Let's start off with our test pilot, Crash. What do you think of all of this? I missed it all. It's not fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I picked the one week to go towards the center of the galaxy, don't I? Yeah, no, I've, I've been watching some of the videos from it, some of the tweets and people putting out. I think that's really, really awesome. I, I wanted to see this happen for a while. I can understand why Frontier kind of wanted to keep it back and make it a bit of an, a special event, but it's nice to see it finally happen. So there's a real war going on between the, uh, the two major factions in the game, and I hope we see more things like that. It definitely is. It really didn't, brings life to an area when you see events like this happening. So great more of those things please uh were you disappointed about the fact there was no earth shattering kaboom well no i think it's one of those difficult things isn't it you you can't have something which is a one-off experience which happens and then it's gone it has to be something which occurs for a period of time so that players can get in there and meet see it at their own leisure this this is kind of the problem that they face with elite is they can't have these events which it's it's done and said in an hour there has to be something which lasts for a period of several days so it, it's a tricky balance but i think uh, it's one they're they're managing quite well at the moment 
Okay, Mr. Stabler, you've managed to catch up with the story? Well, yeah, I heard of it, and, I, and the only thing I can say is, you know, the same as uh, Crash, really. I really wish I'd been there for that. You know, I, I'm all about, you know, epic space battles, so uh, I was good to miss it. But, yeah, if they can arrange for more of that to happen, then uh, I'm, I'll definitely make the effort to fly a few hundred light years. <laughs> Mr. Wilcott, you're always up for a bit of carnage. Well, yeah, and, and and certainly there was with two capital ships there. I certainly have plenty of choices of places to hide. Um, but what I was going to add to was I happened. I don't know if anyone else saw this during the week. There was a massive Eve Online battle, and it's just to put it into context. I thought, well, I'll be on Live Radio on Tuesday. I might as well have a watch and see if I can report back on this. And. I had this stream up for a good sort of 30 to 40 minutes, and obviously not being particularly off I couldn't really tell what was going on, except for it looked like a lot of big ships turning very slowly with permanent lines coming out of them. And it really wasn't clear what was going on. And obviously these were massive ships, and it must have been really exciting, and the mechanics and things that of people invested in, it must have been great. But for me, looking at it, I just thought, why am I staring, looking at these ships doing very, very little <laughs> indeed? And then you see the two capital ships in Elite close to each other. Now, those in themselves are just going to create a centrepiece. The exciting side of things in Elite, for me, is the way that the ships move and you are piloting the ship. And you can just imagine that kind of real Star Wars in-game battle where the capital ships are kind of doing their own thing, but the excitement's with all these small ships creating mini explosions and flying and swarming and all the wonderful manoeuvres. That's what excites me. And this is probably why I turned off from EVE. It's just not a game that I... I love the way it looks, but it just doesn't have the hands-on feel that I look for and obviously I was was speaking to other people that had more of a concept of that EVE battle and they were talking about how you know it was it was an extremely fantastic tactical manoeuvres and things but I'm just thinking it just looks like static ships on a page it it might as well have been a bitmap and that's a terrible thing to say I don't don't mean to bash EVE no, not at all. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, EVE has got uh, you know, a different server set up than uh, Elite Dangerous. So obviously, they've had uh, yeah, probably thousands of players playing in that particular instance. So they slowed the server time down. It's been that long since i played EVE. I can't exactly remember. But in order to make sure that there was no lag for anybody, they basically slowed time down. John, you probably know a little bit more about this than I do recently. Yeah, time dilation, basically. So the more people that join the node that the battle is on, the slower time becomes. And it literally is. As, as Grant just mentioned, it becomes almost like a slideshow. So, yeah, it would look really, really boring. <laughs> but you can imagine all the commands being issued by people to actually get people to do stuff. And people are, are literally pressing the button when they get their command and then waiting a little while <laughs> for it to actually happen. And, yeah, from, from an observer's perspective, hideous, right? But if you're actually taking part in it, dead exciting because every every shot counts so yeah so it's, uh, that almost sounds more like turn-based strategy than sort of live action sort it, of uh, it literally goes to that level it really does go to that level so uh yeah it is almost turn-based at that point wow so, okay if this is a an example of things to come then uh, exciting times ahead with lots of sort of capital ship battles coming in and obviously we've got the two capital ships but as 
frontier development to keep on adding stuff to the game who knows we might start seeing you know not just the big sort of capital ships but we'll see their sort of support ships like i've seen some corvettes some destroyers you know different types of uh, capital ships going in we have fleet battles which uh, again as uh, grant was saying if that just forms the the backdrop of the battle that you get involved with um i think that would be uh, quite awesome don't you grant yeah i'm just thinking back to Retrolave, when we would do things like TIE Fighter and the way they would dress the mission that you were on by placing the ships, and okay, they're on a predetermined sort of route, but there's definitely scope for that in Elite to be able to create the kind of grand story unveiling, and it may well be predetermined that it's just a kind of animation of these ships carrying out some kind of massive storyline, whether it be a, a sort of borderland dispute that breaks down into war, and to be in that point witnessing it and maybe contributing to it becoming a full-scale war because you happen to shoot some of the particular oppositions at the right time. But I think, you know, that that's that was something that was always exciting when you had played the likes of, of X-Wing and TIE Fighter and, to some extent, Wing Commanders that you would arrive in this massive scene and you'd be this tiny little ship with a little task to do in amongst all that chaos and maybe power play can bring some more kind of missions that are along those lines of getting into one of these situations. I mean, how awesome would it be that you have to go and you have to take photographs you know, or pictures of the underside of the Imperial capital ship in order to try and identify a weakness or to try and prove some kind of political who is that's in that system that shouldn't be. I mean, that that, that just suddenly blows the arse open on missions. <laughs> yeah, I just love to be in that briefing. Many psycho cow died to bring us this information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on and let's go into uh, some questions from the community, starting with Steph Wyeth. She says, what card and board game formats could usefully adapt to Elite Dangerous sort of like x-wing board games etc top trumps for elite dangerous ships uh what sort of games can we see uh maybe being released with either frontier themselves or with the uh you know in partnership with frontier uh let's go with uh mr stabler frontier monopoly yeah okay i think uh one of the community members mike snores is already starting to plan out a board for that one so uh oh. if you're going to do that what would be your is it park avenue in mayfair most expensive places in the galaxy um well i i i guess you'd end up using like you know sol as as you know one of the expensive places i'd like to think that lave would be kind of like the strand level you know do you, yeah. do you think we're probably more sort of old kent road well, that's probably where we'd end up, yeah. But that's that's <laughs> well, fine. Well, label you know has the orange color scheme. So, uh, what's the orange colors on the the board? Is that Old Kent Road? Yeah, that's the old. Well, no, they're brown, aren't they? The the um, oh, the orange ones. I'm just trying to think now. I haven't played it for so long, but I'm I'm happy for Lave and Slough to be the two cheap ones. <laughs> well, is Slough not going to be the the whole sort of sent to jail card. You know, you get sent to Slough and get sent. Yeah, you get sent to the mines on Slough, yeah, to, you know, bury radioactive waste. Yeah, that could be cool. I'd, I'd have to say, though, I would definitely want to see Lave Radio uh, as one of the uh, utilities. Instead of having a sort of like the water board, you'd have to replace it and have a radio show in there instead. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else you could do with it. I mean, what would you have for, like, you know, the community chest and chance cards? Oh, uh, they're easy. You'd have, um, you'd have unidentified signal sources. 
as your chance. Ah, you? Yeah, yeah, cool. That's not yeah, not a bad idea. But I mean, what kind of things would you have in there? You know, oh, your um, your cargo's leaked all over the place. Go back three spaces or something like that. <laughs> well, possibly you're, you've been attacked by a bunch of code pirates. You know, lose you know three thousand credits. Yeah, your uncle's died. Inherit a cobra and a hundred credits. <laughs> you see, the game writes itself, John. It really does. It does. Uh, okay, fair enough. Apologies to Mike Snoz if he's already had all these ideas ahead of us. Uh, we should probably check that out. But so yes, so certainly Monopoly works well. Uh, what else can you think of that would work well within the Elite Dangerous universe? I don't know, like Buckaroo, but instead of a donkey, you have like a cobra, and you've got to try and hang on as many weapons as possible. Okay, now he's just being silly. Uh, let's let's just ditch you and go to Mr. Richardson instead. John, help us <laughs> Hello. out. Hello. Yes, uh, top trumps. I've just written that in, actually. We were having such a good laugh in chat, actually, about some of these suggestions, but I think Buckaroo is a winner. <laughs> it's, it'll be good. Thank you, I was being deadly serious. Yeah, I could tell as well. So you could have a whole, a whole range of them. No, seriously. Um, what's that Battlestar Galactica game? You could have a similar one for uh, Elite Dangerous. You know the board game? The Cylon one? No? No, Everyone's gone up quiet? No? The blank on that one, no. Oh, right, okay. Um, Well, basically, you could have some form of strategy game on there. Grant, you must have ideas. You're an ideas guy. I wasn't wasn't sure if you were ever going to come to me. (laughs) The um, Monopoly, I've seen that the jail is Ross 128. Because Mike Snows Snows has, has had some images of his preliminary board and some of it looks amazing it looks like it's going to be absolutely fantastic and rather than sort of community goals i think it's galnet now maybe i'm not allowed to tell this actually it might be secret oh well mike hates me anyway so it'll be fine um (laughs) but yeah i mean you just think of the sort of classic games that you could do you know i was thinking you know sort of guess who with your imperial um Reigns, you know, is is do they have a ponty moustache? Right, well they'll definitely be imperial. Um, are they covered in muck? Well, right, that'll be an alliance or an independent <laughs> sort of things. I think there's a lot of fun games, but certainly when it comes to LaveCon, I think we're going to find that we've got an awful lot of these prototype ideas there for people to actually try. So that could be exciting. Lave Radio Cluedo. It was Fozza on the entertainment deck with the wrench. You know, that could be awesome. As for Buckaroo, why couldn't it be that it's a sort of different levels of Buckaroo? They start with a sidewinder and you've got to balance all the cargo on the outside of the sidewinder and then you yeah. work your way up to an anaconda. Yeah, I, I think it's a winner of an idea. I, I don't understand why Fozzer dismissed it so quickly. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's great. And you can, add, you can regale your friends of stories of how you managed to fit two huge class four lasers onto a sidewinder and it didn't you know it didn't they didn't fall off i thought it'd be great right okay well maybe if we're going for really stupid suggestions then why don't we just sort of uh, think about the the orbis space station and turn that into a whole big kaplunk game instead so you get the model of an orbis station and you just pull out wires and until the yeah that's great these are all potential money spinners (laughs) i love kaplunk you didn't see that Ian McNeil and his wonderful docking darts game, which is awesome. Which was, you know, you, you had the sort of docking bay pads on a dartboard and different coloured darts. So you had a red dart, which would be, uh, I think that was the largest ship, like an anaconda. So that can only land in a large pad. And it went down and you had pad numbers. So I think the advanced level of his game was you would nominate what pad you were going to land that ship on. 
and then he would score you depending on what you got. So, I mean, that was a fantastic sort of representation of docking. Yeah. That I would, yeah, I would definitely not be able to dock. My my darts is is absolutely hopeless. So yeah, I do worse at uh, at that particular breed of docking than I do in game docking. Uh, we've got one coming in from the IRC channel from Mindwipe who suggests Lego kits. Now we've seen a few people put some computer models of uh, of Lego kits up there from the various Sidewinders and Cobras and stuff. I'd love it if we could actually make our own ships with Lego. Crash, wouldn't you love that? OMG, if someone doesn't go on Lego Ideas and make those damn kits now, pl- please, everyone listening, if, you can, if you've got enough Lego, go and make them. They should be on the Lego Ideas website. I would buy the heck out of them. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Lego, and I'd love to see the little ships on there. You know, it, just having the little Sidewinder and then having a full-scale Anaconda next to it and stuff like that, and it just gives me a great excuse to get my kids into it. You know, this is brilliant. Please would make you, those Lego Would you sets. glue the blocks together, though? Ooh. No, I'm not that mean. No, no, I'm, I'm yeah, not the bad guy out of the Lego yeah, business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, hopefully Steph has uh, realised that we've done absolutely hideously at answering her question. But never mind, Steph, keep on sending us questions and we'll keep on butchering them for you. Um, I think that I, I've got to do my duty and, of course, talking about elite theme games, we've got to mention Alan Stroud's uh, game which is, of course, a way team, which is a, a lay radio-themed... Well, how do you describe it, Foz? It's a kind of... It's a strange take on the old sort of uh, card game mechanic. So it uh, uses a deck of cards, but it also uses, like, tiles. Yeah, yeah, it's tiles. And you, you flip over tiles to reveal rooms, and then you've got various scenarios and things going on there. And I think his idea is to kind of premiere that at LaveCon, so another reason to come. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the twist in that game is that you actually use a mobile device to uh, to put in a code that you work out during the game, and uh, it tells you what you need to do and actually to complete the scenario. Is that not right? Yeah, yeah, I'm working on that app as we speak. That's that's the sound of me typing. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's just quickly go on to some uh, some shout-outs, starting with the Uncle Art Kickstarter that we've mentioned a few times on the show. For those people that haven't been following it, they're now offering a behind-the-scenes video to all the backers who backed over £55. So if you haven't backed it already, definitely go and check it out. Put in Uncle Art into Kickstarter, into a search. Uh, he's basically very, very famous for, for doing lots of uh, 80s uh, computer games music, from Carry Command, from well, Frontier Elite 2. He did the theme for Frontier Elite 2. And yeah, one of the things he's doing is he's remaking uh, those music with obviously modern instruments. But uh, the one that we're all hoping for is he's actually going to go to Abbey Road and do a re-recording and remastering of the Frontier 2 theme uh, with a, a full orchestra behind him which I think is going to be absolutely brilliant. So if you haven't gone and backed that yet, head over to Kickstarter, search for Uncle Arts, and uh, and throw it some money. Um, another quick shout-out, this one for what I think, I mean, I could be wrong here, guys, but is um, is this the first piece of uh, machinima that we've seen made out of Elite Dangerous? It's called Elite Retrograde, and you can find it by putting in Elite Retrograde into YouTube. Has anybody who had a chance to watch it? What did people think of it? Uh, Mr. Richardson. Why did you come to me first? I, I knew. I thought, <laughs> of all these guys, who's the one like, that's not likely to have watched it? Uh, <laughs> Grant, save him. 
Love it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it, okay, yeah, as these things always tend to be, the, your, your first attempt at these kind of things is always uh, you're nervous, you're dealing with the sort of technical side of things as well. It was brilliant. Okay, you know, it's got so much potential and if they continue to sort of aim for the quality then it's going to be brilliant, but they had, you know, you had your romantic couple um, who were out mining to... Spoilers, spoilers. Really? You think so? <laughs> it's got characters in it who were doing stuff and then stuff happens and those characters aren't doing the same stuff anymore. They do different stuff and... Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I thoroughly enjoy I, this kind of stuff because it kind of sparks imagination. It creates interest in the, what the hell did they make that video in? That looks like a movie. How did they do that? And then they go, that's a game? Are you shitting me? Oh my god, where did I get that game? And more people come into Elite and love it. Hey! Are you finished? <laughs> yep. Uh, Stabler, what do you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely got potential. Um, I, I kind of agree with what Grant says. I mean, it, it, ha- it doesn't have the high production values of Dockers, for instance, but I, I think there's a lot of uh, potential. Screw you, Stabler! <laughs> Go on then, John, what, uh, save yourself. I, I'm what just basically, well, basically, I, I, I'm just saying that I could have said exactly what those guys said. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Um, shout out to, uh, to Dave Hughes uh, for those people that follow the uh, Lave Radio role playing game session with the uh, Elite Encounters. You'll know that Dave Hughes is our uh, dungeon master. He's our master of ceremonies. Uh, he is doing a charity stream in order to raise funds for the Alzheimer's Society in memory of Terry Pratchett. Uh, if you want to, you can tune into his stream on the 18th of April at midday, British Standard Time. Um, for the pilgrimage and you can find details at tinyurl.com forward slash ed pilgrimage so go and check that out and support it it's a fantastic charity a fantastic cause um okay and just a quick a quick few uh shout outs to people that have left us some itunes reviews a uh, massive thank you to commander daddy buddy to tg fan 914 and to commander Pitstarter, and also to dave suffolk uh, a massive thank you for giving us some reviews on iTunes. We're actually now sitting somewhere in about sort of 92, 93 five-star reviews. So if you would like to, if you do enjoy the show, if you'd like to go to iTunes and drop us a review to get us over the uh, 100 mark, we will be eternally grateful. Okay, uh, just a quick shout-out to some of the guys in the IRC chat. I'm not going to read all of these out. I'm going to let uh, Grant, you're going to read all of these out. Uh, yeah, I've just seen one of the names. That, is that is that Latin? Sort. <laughs> no, we have, we have Arkim Boast. We have Max Torps. We have Commander Bapsta, Commander Lodvar. We have Crag Two Eight O Four. Daddy Baddy is in there. I think he was a little bit shocked by the language in our Onion Head advert. We have Fiverr. We have Gimme. We have Goose Four Two Nine One. Naim, John Whitehouse, Jintosh, Mashed Spud. We have. Mind wipe. We have Mr. Tea Time. We have Neo Teo. We have Nylon Nyers. Symbiote. Symbiote. Randallis. Randallster. Rivian. Rhythm. Riot Gradius. SLS. And Zenoic. Yes! Oh, brilliant. Do you want to just maybe try the symbiote again? <laughs> symbiote. Yes. 
Um, sorry uh and obviously the final shout out is of course to lavecon 2015 which is happening on the 11th and 12th of july at the sedgebrook hall hotel in northamptonshire um if you are hoping to come along for that and you haven't booked your tickets uh i have been informed that the hotel tickets the tickets that include your accommodation at the hotel where the con is actually taking place uh they're only around about two or three tickets for the hotel left so if you want to come along and you're hoping to get accommodation at the hotel it's now looking like it's just about fully booked so uh try and get your tickets if not uh there is plenty of accommodation around the site so come along and stay somewhere else small taxi ride that's what we need to know well that's it for another episode of lave radio if you'd like to get in touch with the show then you can email info at laveradio.com uh facebook we are facebook forward slash facebook forward slash lave radio at lave radio on twitter uh you can join the skype chat channel by adding fozzo 101 to your skype contacts and drop me a message with the word elite in it and you can join our Teamspeak server where commanders come to hang out in chat uh that's lave radio.teamspeak3.com thanks to grant to john to john to john for coming and hanging out with me on the show tonight and thanks to all those commanders who joined us outside lave station and in the irc channel until next time fly safe and if you can't do that Fly dangerous. Is your life like this? It's almost like having an orange inserted. Need a safe word. Two seconds, I'll be right back.